Hey folks and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. This is the show about everything podcasting, from launching your show to monetization and everything in between. I'm your host Colin Gray, as always, and this time around we've got a, a good interview going on, which is around something that I've uh, been intending to cover for a while, which is accessibility. And I've been intending to cover for a while thanks to uh, some prompts from my uh, wonderful guest today, who is Nick Steenhout. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty good, Colin. Thanks for having me on the show. Good, good. Well, I, I'll say thanks to you as well in return for um, for prompting me around this stuff because I uh, I think I've maybe mentioned on Twitter I used to work in the public sector and working with universities and stuff like that and accessibility was always a, a huge consideration when we're working with the technology that I used to use to teach students and stuff like that. But I have to admit, it's not something I've considered enough in what we do now, uh, especially around the podcasting area. So it's mm. good to have you on just to chat about podcast accessibility in general. Yeah. I think it's something that's not really on people's radar screen because it's it's kind of out of our realm of experience in general. But uh, when we start understanding the, uh, the importance and the impact, um, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to, to ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's so many aspects to it as well, I think, isn't there? Because we're not just recording audio, but we're having to create web pages that go along with them and everything. So yep. it'd be great. Yeah, let's dive into it then. So I'm going to, I, I'm coming at this from a total novice um, point of view here. So with the, with the podcast itself, so we do our audio recording, you know, we have our chat, we have our conversation. Normally what we do is we take that, we post that out onto the web and we create a little show notes text page to go along with it what are where do you think where do you start when you're starting to advise people on how to go about making all of this more accessible where's the first step yeah i'm gonna take it one step before that actually because i think it's important for people to to understand a couple of things about accessibility the first thing is that on average in the western world there's about 20 percent of people that have reported one disability or another so we're talking about one in five people that have accessibility needs and the other aspect to that is that it's not just about accessibility we can uh, we can increase all kinds of aspects to to our show there was a uh, a case study done uh, that the uh, show This American Life by NPR, they decided to provide transcript for all their shows. And suddenly they saw that they had a, an indexed searchable um, facility for all their shows so they could find content easy. They had uh, an increase, I think it's like something like 8% increase in search on, uh, on search results on Google because suddenly all their shows were, uh, were available. So... Accessibility is good for obviously people with disabilities. That's the, the primary target, but it's also good for for the show hosts and for uh, increasing traffic and making life easier. Um, there's there's you know there's always this this guy that wants to listen to a podcast at lunch in his cubicle, but uh, he doesn't necessarily want to share that with people. So if there's a transcript, they can get to it easy. So there, there's all kinds of aspects. Excellent. That's good stuff. Yeah, good to justify it in the first place and give us uh, yeah. another reason for it too. So yeah. So um, going back to your question, there's I think there's there's two main areas that we we have to think about is is the audio or video file itself. You know, if you do uh, video podcasting, um, and these 
there's there's two main criterias. The first thing is if it's an audio uh, show, you want to provide transcript. And if it's a video, uh, you want to create uh, captions. And there's easy ways. If you create a transcript, then you can use YouTube to to use that to do the timing on the on the captions. But mm-hmm. we can get into the nitty gritty of of how to do these uh, in a little bit. Okay. Sure. The other aspect, as you said, is the um, the site itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a lot of uh, friends that are blind that really consume a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of their main gripes is that they get to a website and they can't get through the site to access the podcast at all. Uh, okay. So yeah. and they would like to listen to a podcast. They would like to consume your information, but there's just no way to get to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so transcripts seem to me, that, that is that the kind of um, an easy first win for people just to start actually doing transcripts in some way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think transcripts are the first and easiest way to go about making your podcast accessible mm-hmm. to, to people. Um, there's three main ways to, to create transcripts mm-hmm. uh, and it goes from cheap and really painful to expensive and uh, really easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously the, the first way is to do the transcript yourself. And there's a variety of, of tools out there that are free that allow you to to do the transcription fairly straightforward, but it's time consuming. Yeah. Uh, when I do my own transcript, even though I'm used to it, it can take me easy two, three times the amount of audio time to actually transcribe properly. Mm. Yeah. So it can be quite time consuming. Yes. Uh, the second part would be to purchase the, the service of uh, automatic transcription. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that you know, there's there's all kinds of service, but you can find it from about ten cents per minute US. There's a high error rate for that, and by high, it might it might be maybe eighty five percent, eighty seven percent accurate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which still means that one word in ten is actually incorrect, and yeah. that can really change the meaning quite a yes. bit into <laughs> um into what's what's going on. And finally, the last bit is to purchase human transcription mm-hmm. um the service i'm using is costing me about one mi- one dollar us per minute mm-hmm. so it's it's not super expensive but and it's an expense that's there uh, i do it systematically for my podcast because it's it's a question of principle for me um but i also realize all the benefits of it yeah, indeed. So we've, yeah, I mean, we've tried, we've tried both the automated and the, uh, the professional one, I suppose. The one we use, I don't know about yourself, but we've used Rev. Rev's our kind of usual professional yeah. one. That's the $1 a minute system that we use more often than not. Um, always great. I mean, it barely needs edited usually. Um, so that's brilliant. And the one we've tried automatically, I think we chatted about this on Twitter, was um, Trint. So T-R-I-N-T. They're a decent mm. automated one. And you're right. They claim to have, I remember seeing that, claim to have like 85 to 90% accuracy. I was like, oh, that's, that seems good. That's quite high. But you're you're absolutely right. If that if it means that there's a word wrong in every single sentence and you're doing two thousand words, that's a lot of editing to get that fixed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for what it's worth, I use Rev. I love Rev. Yeah. Um, I do have to do a bit of editing, but that's because the topic of my podcast accessibility uh, ends up being quite 
technical. So ah, I see. Yes, um, yeah. it can be interesting from that perspective. Yes, yes. How do you find it with uh, a non-US accent? Because I find Trent is a lot less accurate for me than it probably is for your average US speaker. <laughs> yeah, automated um, transcription for non-US accents is yeah. probably tricky. Um, I yeah. lived in New Zealand for nearly 15 years and um, I had issues with audio files done automated that way. Yeah. Uh, Rev, I've thrown um, people that were Japanese speakers, uh, Australians, uh, Canadians, French, all with interesting accents, mm -hmm. um, but um, it's not been a problem. Yeah, okay. Still works well enough, yeah. yeah. So how, how do you recommend putting the transcript out there then? Where would you include it? And do you think sometimes, would you use it to replace the show notes or is it an addition to that? What's your sort of general recommendations? Okay. There's generally three main ways that people put podcasts in. Uh, the first one is they do a PDF and they link the PDF to, um, to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a problem because nine times out of 10, the PDF itself is not accessible. So someone can't actually use, for example, uh, a screen reader application to actually access the content. Uh, the other way is to put it in text or HTML on a separate page from the, um, from the podcast show mm -hmm. with a link to it, which is an accessible method, but then you start losing uh, the advantage of, uh, of SEO because mm -hmm. the, the content is not directly linked. Mm -hmm. And my favorite approach is to put the transcript directly on the page where you're displaying the, the podcast. And that makes it easy to find. And it's, it's right there for search engines as well. As for show notes, I think show notes are a great thing. And they're really a an addition to transcript because you're you're not consuming that content the same way. The transcript is really a way to access the show itself, whereas the show notes is a way to identify what's most important or something that the the host actually wants to highlight. Uh, the show notes is also a great method for people with cognitive impairments to access the content. So it's it. They don't have to struggle to try to understand an entire half hour or hour show or trying to read maybe 2,000 words transcript. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think both the show notes and the transcripts have a um, an important role to play from an accessibility perspective. Great. Yeah, I think it's good to hear you say, you say that because I, I totally agree. I think that... A show notes is a different, it serves a different purpose, isn't it? The show notes for me yeah. is a, is a, it's written for the written word as opposed to a written version of the spoken word so that you yeah. can read it. Uh, quite often I find that show notes are for people who revisit the content actually or pre listening mm. to the content. They'll go on there, they'll find it through SEO, through search. They'll read it through. They'll get an idea of what you're going to talk about, but they'll go to the podcast actually to get the, mm. the engaging content, like you say. So, yeah. and, and the way we've done transcripts, I think the way I find it works best, maybe you're going to tell me this doesn't work very well, but, um, I suppose the basic version is you have the show notes and then you have a here's the transcript below it and that that should be presumably accessible because yep. it's all there in the main page but one tool that we've used in the past to make it so that the, the show notes page is quite neat um, and there's a little kind of expansion box which has a transcript in it and mm. uh, it's something called um, visual composer 
a tool called Visual Composer that works on WordPress that can do that. And it's a, an expansion box. And I think from looking at it that it's accessible enough because it's not hiding it. But <laughs> tell me if you have any experience with that. Do tools like that that can hide away a sort of 2000 word transcript, can they impair mm. the accessibility of a page? It really depends on the tool itself mm. and how it's coded. How it does it, yeah. Because the ability to uh, collapse or expand content is can be very useful. Okay. Uh, you have to look at a couple different things. The first one is, can you actually trigger the expansion with the keyboard only? Uh, okay, yes. Because there's a lot of people that aren't able to actually use a mouse. So if you're... If your ability to to expand the content is on click only, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. The other aspect, which is a little bit harder for you to test, but um, which has a big impact, is that when the content is expanded, it needs to be announced by screen readers. So when your page changes context, Mm -hmm. when new content appears on the page, it needs to be available for um, assistive technologies. And there's a couple of ways to test that, which generally involve having a screen reader available to test and and looking at code itself. So I'm I'm happy to to have a quick look if you want to send me a link and I can double check. We can maybe add that to the show notes later on. Yeah, that'd be good, actually. We'll do that then. We'll follow up. I'll send you a link to one of those tools. I think Visual Composer is one of the most commonly used WordPress visual designers. It's one of the easiest ways to offer that kind of functionality. So so it's probably quite useful to the listener to to know that. Um, I mean... But you raise a good point there in terms of testing. Like I, I'm sure I remember five, six years ago or something, whenever I was working on this um, back then, that there were tools that you could input a URL and it would give you a rating for a page. Is that something mm. that's useful for people testing their show notes? Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of automated testing tools for accessibility out there. Um, some are better than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UK government digital services last year created the worst accessible page in the world. It basically <laughs> went about creating a page that had over 150 accessibility errors. Oh, really? And then they threw in that page to a whole bunch of automated accessibility testers to see how much, how accurate it was. And oh. the best tool didn't even raise 40% of the issues oh, really? on the page. Right, okay. So automated testing tools are a fantastic way to get a pulse or feel for what's going on on a page, mm-hmm. but they're not likely to find everything. That said, uh, let's keep in mind that every page is not going to have 150 different errors trying to trick a tool. Mm. And... Um, I think if you if you do nothing else or if you don't have the ability or knowledge to do anything else than mm-hmm. testing, by all means, run it through a testing tool. Yeah. I would strongly recommend Tenon.io. That's okay. T-E-N-O-N dot I-O. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic tool. You can do one page at a time on their homepage or you can actually subscribe to their uh, to their service mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. ongoing testing. So that, that's a great service. The other is the WebAIM Wave toolbar. That's uh, W-A-V-E toolbar, which is uh, free uh, also to test. Sure. Okay, that's excellent. Yeah, I think you're right. There's, I suppose there's, there's perfect methods, there's good methods, and then there's methods which 
help people actually do something. <laughs> yeah. And doing something at least is better, like you say, than there's, nothing. So. <laughs> there's one of these things, you know, I often talk to clients and, and they say, well, we can't make our website accessible for this person who's paralyzed from neck down, blind and deaf. And I'm thinking, yeah, however, chances are you're not going to meet that edge case all the time. And you could make your site 80% accessible with 20% of your effort. Yeah. yeah. And surely it's, it's, it's a great win to, to hit those low hanging fruits and, and improve things. So, um, I, by all means, you know, use automated testing tools, identify the, the problems, try to fix them mm-hmm. and, um, improve, uh, accessibility as much as you can, both on your site and your, your show and, You'll Perfect. be away laughing. Excellent. So looking at the, was there anything else you'd like to add to the sort of audio side of things and making audio more accessible or is it, is transcripts really the method for doing that? Yeah. Transcript right. really is the way to make audio accessible. Perfect. Okay. So moving on to the text then on your show notes, have you got some tips? I mean, it's kind of going away from the podcasting side of things, but we still have to make blog posts and we still have to make yep. show notes. So do you have a kind of um, top few steps for people to start making their, their text material more accessible? Yeah. The first thing to keep in mind is that uh, all your nice, pretty layout, all the fancy styling and all that, um, <laughs> At the end, what you're wanting is deliver content. Mm-hmm. So it has to make sense on its own. Uh, a few ways to do that is to um, make sure you break sections of content using headings. So H1, H2, H3, and make sure they're um, hierarchical. So if you're having your home page, the, the title of the page being an H1, maybe the title of your post is going to be a H2 and then subsequent sections within that are going to be H3. Mm-hmm. It's very useful for screen reader users who often rely on headings to get a glimpse of what's on the page. Um, there's a, a screen reader user survey that came out last uh, December that shows 67% of screen reader users rely on headings to navigate a page. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's really important to create that structure there. Yeah. The other is... Think about plain English. Make short sentences that are fairly straightforward to understand. Front load the content. So if you have important stuff, don't put it at the bottom of a hundred word post. You know, make sure you put it up front. Mm-hmm. And um, remember that if you use images, if they're informative images, you want to have uh, alt text in there. If if it's a decorative image, if it's you know just something to make it pleasing to the eye, then you want the alt attribute to be there, but you put an empty alt attribute. Okay, right. Because it's not actually useful content, it's not adding value, is that what you mean? That's right. Yeah, okay. It it doesn't add value, so when an assistive technology such as a screen reader Mm. uh, comes across it, uh, it's either going to say, there's an image here and there's no alt attribute, so Mm. I don't know what to do with it, or it's going to say there's an image here but the alt attribute is empty so i can ignore it Mm. or it sees the image it sees the alt attribute has text in it and then it can announce that attribute to uh to the screen reader user yeah perfect it's funny the advice you gave there the fact that all of that actually makes it much better for real for for you know 
um, the average user as well, I guess, because mm -hmm. headings help us read content, help us skim content. Yeah. Uh, clara clarification, sorry, clarity and simple words and all that makes content much more engaging, much more easy to read as well for anyone. So <laughs> it's stuff we should be doing anyway, I guess, that then I, helps yeah, accessibility. I, uh, <laughs> I wrote several times about accessibility benefits everyone, mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of aspects. You know, you you take a a layout that benefits someone who has a cognitive impairment, mm -hmm. uh, so you don't want too busy or flashing things, or you make want to make sure that the main content is easy to find. Yeah. Well, it's also going to help um, the woman who just has a squirming toddler in her arm and is trying to access information on her cell phone. Yes. And, well, she's not impaired, obviously, but her cognitive abilities are somewhat distracted. So <laughs> from that perspective, accessibility is benefited. Uh, one of my favorite ones is um, gray text on gray background. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult to read if you have low vision, but go outside in the sun on your mobile phone mm. and suddenly you can't make sense of it either. So... <laughs> Yes, accessibility primarily is making sure that content is reachable and usable by people with disabilities, but you also end up with having all kinds of super uh, benefits. I was mentioning plain English. Well, how many of your audience is actually non-native English mm. speakers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it easy for that. It also makes it easy for um, Google Translate to actually be able to translate your site and yeah. provide it in other languages. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah, it's really useful. In terms of the tools we're using, uh, you know, a big proportion of the web is on WordPress and especially podcasters yep. because it's a really useful tool for delivering mm. a podcast. Is WordPress out the box quite um, accessible or are there things we need to do to, to prepare it? Yeah. See, WordPress, uh, last number I heard was 35% of all sites on the internet were WordPress driven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, WordPress out of the box is generally accessible, but there's a few things that are problematic with mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things that actually can be done easily to solve it. The first thing is um, make sure you use an accessibility-ready theme. Mm -hmm. And when you're hunting for a theme, uh, whether it's a theme you're going to use as is or you're going to create a child theme with, mm -hmm. uh search for accessibility ready and that's going to get you a, a good part of the way there the other thing there's um obviously we generally want a contact form mm -hmm. and the best contact form from uh, an ability to um, adapt it is uh, contact form 7 mm -hmm. to make sure contact form 7 is fully accessible there's uh there's a plugin that's available so it it improves the accessibility of that form and that plugin is by a guy called joe dawson uh, so he's got a, a few plugins that are specifically towards accessibility they're free they're brilliant and the other plugin that joe makes is um uh, wordpress accessibility and okay. add that it layers over your accessibility ready theme and it makes a whole bunch of changes under the hood that you won't really see yourself, but it just makes it so much easier for people with um, needing assistive technologies to yes. interact with the site. Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. That's a, yeah, a few good practical steps that people can take to mm. start making their WordPress more accessible straight away. That's yeah. excellent. Okay. 
Right. I think, I mean, that covers everything I wanted to know, really. Is there anything you haven't talked about yet that you think is important for people to know? Yeah, just just thinking about this fact that um, when you're not used to doing accessibility, it takes a little bit more effort. It may take a little bit more resource, mm. um, but it's worth doing it from from the perspective of it's the right thing to do. It's also worth doing it because you are going to benefit a whole bunch of people that don't necessarily have disabilities, just like we were mentioning. And once you're past this learning curve stage, it just becomes part of your workflow and it doesn't really take that much more time or energy or effort. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. And like you explained at the start, there's all these side benefits actually in general, such as the SEO benefit of having more text yep. on your pages, the readability benefit, the engagement benefit for for um, all users. So yeah, definitely worth putting the time into. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining me in the show, Nick. It's been really interesting to go through it. Really good to get this out there. A really valuable subject, I think. So uh, thanks for your time. Well, thanks for having me on. And um I'm always open for questions. You can find me on Twitter, on my website, by email. So Indeed. feel free to reach out. So where where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter, I am Vavroom, V-A-V-R-O-O-M. Perfect. And your show, and better plug your show as well, actually. What's the podcast people yeah, should go and listen to Yeah, my show is the Accessibility Rules Podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's A11YRULES.com. Yep. And A11Y is the numeronym for accessibility. So the word accessibility starts by A and finishes by Y, and there's 11 letter in between. Ah, perfect. So <laughs> when you're on Twitter and you see that hashtag, hashtag A11Y, that's what it stands for. Ah, do you know what? I didn't know that. I've seen your, um, you know, obviously the tag there on a lot of your posts, and I never understood why, so that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, definitely worth going and checking out next po- uh, podcast there. I see, um, I've seen it putting out content on a regular basis, so there's always good stuff coming out there into the world, so go and check it out over there thanks again Nick for your time and if you're out there listening I hope you make a bit of an effort at least look into it Um, definitely the transcripts in the first place have a look into transcripts go and check out Trint if you want to as a a first point but there's other automated services out there too and uh, and at least put a couple of transcripts up there see what benefit it brings you I bet you find yourself getting much more search traffic onto those posts maybe growing your audience bit by bit just through adding a bit of accessibility and doing the right thing at the same time all right well thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next podcraft in a few weeks until then see you later